0: Welcome to History and Film. I'm Rich Simmons. We would like to get into some listener feedback this season, so if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about anything even tangentially related to the podcast, you can send an email to Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S, at TrackNerds.com, or hit me up on Twitter where my handle is, at TrackNerds. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Okay, for City of God here today, I wanted to start with the definition of a favela, which is basically a slum in Brazil. So slums are something that have existed forever, and I think what kind of is hard for maybe the U.S. listener to get their head around is we always think of slums as poor, run-down inner-city areas, and those are the slums and what you have here in brazil and and i'm sure other places around the world too but brazil is actually kind of the opposite so this favela and specifically the city of god favela outside of rio de janeiro is they're basically suburban slums so all Mm -hmm. the people who can afford to live in the city live in the city and it kind of forced the poor people out to these poor suburbs that they set up so that the city itself was yeah. kind of kept nicer.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of how you would think about it. Normally you think about like a poor yeah, inner city area, but this is like, oh, you can't afford to live here. Beat it, you know, get right. out of town. And right. it's, it's like way out of town. I think they even show there's a couple of shots where you can see, I mean, you can't you can't really see like the Christ the Redeemer statue like you can't you know you can't make it out but you can see the mountain where it is like really far away oh wow that's, you know lit up maybe at nighttime or something like it's it's a, it's far away so it's like they're not even in rio yeah so wanted to do
0: uh, similar though to what we did last week with killing fields and give a rundown of brazil we have been to brazil before not you and i personally but on this podcast um, or at least at least the amazon and stuff when you look at films like uh Aguirre, the La- wrath of god and even something like embrace the serpent was columbia but it definitely dealt with a similar part of the world to what we saw going on in brazil so again you don't have, don't have a lot of historical records all of all this but humans have been here you obviously since they kind of populated north and south america but there was over like two thousand tribes in brazil when the Portuguese conquered it around 1500. And at that time, they showed up, but then they really didn't mess with it for a few decades. They were too busy dealing with all the stuff in Asia. And we even kind of got to some of that with like a silence and they were making more money over in Asia. Oh, okay. But around 1530s, they started colonizing Brazil kind of more in earnest. And then that quickly led to things like sugarcane plantations and African slaves being brought over to Brazil. And then you have the Jesuits coming in and did advocate for humane treatment of the natives and brought Christianity to the country. And in the 1560s, Rio de Janeiro was founded and the other thing I found interesting here, too, uh, we flash forward a few hundred years, and I didn't realize this until just today. So when Napoleon was doing his thing in Europe, the Portuguese king was kind of nervous. And so he, oh, I'm going to escape over to Brazil because that's essentially just, you know, we, that's our colony. That's all so basically be safe in what's still Portuguese territory, but way over in Brazil. And then once Napoleon okay. was kicked out portugal was like oh hey it's you know go ahead come on come on back to your country and he basically said no i'm good here in brazil in fact (laughs) it's just portugal now too so like Brazil and portugal are both just portugal and they're equal like brazil is portugal so i'm just gonna stay here in brazil which is also portugal
1: it'd be kind of like if like napoleon went to like algeria and was like yep no, I'm I'm good here. Like this is also France, so Right. Yes, very similar to that, but much farther away. And then they actually got right. to the
0: point where right. Rio de Janeiro became the capital of Portugal. Oh, that's crazy. And so it was like the only European capital not in Europe. <laughs> yeah. So but eventually though there's the people in Portugal proper were like, uh no. So the king did kind of have to go back to Portugal, but then not long after, he left his son behind as kind of the regent in Brazil, and then shortly thereafter, and this is in 1820s, his son declares Brazil an independent nation with him as its first king or emperor. And then he goes back a little bit later to Portugal himself, leaves his young son behind, who's... Basically, now the young king and then becomes the king in his own right in Brazil until like about I think it was eighteen eighty nine and then that's when the independent republic of Brazil was declared, and they kind of oust the the monarchy and it was more of a republic of course, Brazil's just been kind of uh it definitely have has a reputation for corruption and stuff and actually, so what I'm gonna to do here on you look at the history of Brazil tab, and I can almost give you a rundown just by looking at the highlighted tabs as we kind of rush through here so Let's go. I'm going to start here. This is a little bit before the Portuguese kings I I was talking about. But basically, I'm just reading the headlines from the History of Brazil Wikipedia page. gives you a nice, I think, rundown or a nice summary. So, indigenous rebellions, sugar age, slave rebellions, gold and diamond rush, the kingdom and empire of Brazil, coffee plantations, rubber. And then you get the old republic, which is what I mentioned was 1889 to 1930. And then in 1930, it was more of a coup and revolution there. And then they had a military dictatorship from 1964 to 1985. And so the current era in Brazil kind of starts in 1985 when they kind of get back to democracy. And they are a, a democracy, but they've just definitely have had a lot of strong men leaders. Of course, they also had a woman president too. But anyway, so it's... Just kind of a place that is rife with corruption, but also super rich culturally, you know, a mm-hmm. great soccer tradition. And and we haven't really got to the movie yet, but trust me, we're we're, we're getting there. I'm just trying to lay the, lay the setting here yeah. for
1: Yeah. And honestly, his, historically, it's probably better that we're doing this beforehand because, like, there's not a ton historically to True. really... the movie's
0: more about... The reason this is on our timeline is because of the world it's giving us more than the story right. itself, correct? Yeah. So... I just watched a video on, and I guess I don't know why I didn't, this didn't occur to me earlier. So, the movie deals with these gangs in these slums on the outskirts of Rio de Janeiro, specifically a slum called the City of God or Ciudad de Dios. But, yeah. So, (laughs) cocaine, they they deal with, they're obviously selling that in the movie, and that's big in South America. And so, I just Mm -hmm. watched, right before we got on the phone here, I watched a YouTube video about how you get cocaine cocaine from the coca leaf and i i guess was just incredibly naive in my mind it was you i don't know you dry up the leaves and then the you, you snort them and that's cocaine no, like it's, I, it's yeah. like a huge it's a huge chemical process yes it reminded me of breaking yeah. bad watching this five minute youtube mm-hmm. video where basically yep. they're using everything from bleach to kerosene and everything else to basically I don't even know. Somehow, So somehow you are getting this chemical isolated from dried coca leaves, but you're basically, you're having to use literally bleach and kerosene to get there. And it's messy, 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 insanely toxic. And at the end of that, you kind of end up with this residue left over that is cocaine. And yeah, they didn't even discover. It, so that's why they were chewing the leaves, you know, for centuries you know the natives mm-hmm. would you know kind of almost like treat it like tobacco, but right. it wasn't like having a cocaine reaction because it was so buried within the chemistry of the leaf itself. I guess. Yeah. And yeah. so it wasn't until the mid 1800s that they isolated it.
1: Did you ever watch the uh, Netflix series Narcos? Oh no, I
0: didn't. I've heard that's pretty good though.
1: Yeah. So I've only seen the first season, and the, the first season is really good. I actually do recommend it. But they they do there are like scenes uh, you know showing like the actual cocaine production operation. It's like, you know, big stills of these leaves that, yeah, they have to, you know, boil them and, you know, add all these chemicals. And, it's yeah, it's this whole whole process. Yeah, then
0: the YouTube video I watched was interesting because it was like a Breaking Bad-style lab, but outside mm-hmm. in the middle of the jungle. Yep. And I'm like, this is fascinating. So they had dug this giant pit and they had filled it with chlorine water and then put all the leaves in that and then anyway just and you're just processing that anyways processing after processing after processing to end up with cocaine finally so to the movie this is a spectacular movie i just this, this was i think the least the third time i had seen it and it's kind of funny so i first saw it not long after it came out i probably did see it in 2003 And I remember thinking, wow, that is a really good movie. And then I rewatched it and was a little underwhelmed about, oh, five years ago or so. But then when I rewatched it for the third time for this, I was like, oh, nope, this is brilliant filmmaking. This is a absolute classic. And just to kind of jump ahead, this is number 22 all time on the IMDb top list all time. And is a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes it did get nominated for four oscars which for a brazilian movie that's pretty rare although yeah. best foreign picture was not one of the nominations so I remember, I think I remember Ebert kind of talking about basically what a travesty the foreign film nominations even are, because one of the best foreign films literally ever was not even nominated for best foreign film, but yet it also, but it got nominated for best director, best cinematography,
1: best editing, and best writing. Which kind of a, a callback to our best movies of the decade, and also a shout out to your other podcast, Track Nerds. Uh, go listen to that to hear us talk more about this, but. The categories that this is nominated for it is kind of like another one of those like blends of what you like and what i like you know it got the cinematography and the editing for the the technical side and then uh writing and and direction yeah it was usually you know what what you like to see so yeah
0: and i would say yeah all that is definitely on force here and this is just really. I don't even know where to begin because it's such a really good movie. You kind of just have to watch it, and it's good on so many levels. So like the opening, even just the opening scene of this movie, it catches you immediately it's like a party happening they are skinning some chickens for basically like this outdoor little barbecue party kind of thing one of the chickens Mm -hmm. they haven't they haven't killed yet gets away and starts running down the street and the camera's like following from like the chicken's eye view as they're chasing it of course it's these gangbangers so they're like running around after the chicken with their pistols even though they're like teenagers
1: And shooting at it.
0: <laughs> yes, and then like the the cops end up kind of coming in from the other end, and then our main character is a young guy who's trying to avoid the gangs as best he can, and has an interest in photography, and he's kind of caught literally in the middle, and we kind of see him frozen trying to get the chicken for the gangs because you kind of do what they say within reason, so they don't yeah. pick on you. But then also, then the cops show up on the other side, and he's kind of caught in yep. the crosshairs. Then it cuts back. Basically, a decade to the kind of the beginning of basically the beginning. I don't even know what's the beginning of. It's his story. He's a little kid again now, and we right. see his brother getting involved with the gangs. And it's just stylistically, there's a very. It's kind of a Tarantino vibe, but it's enough different. It's not a Tarantino ripoff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, is, it is a very unique style, and it has a lot of cool edits like that. And there's also some cool stuff as far as, like, unique camera movement. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, you have, like, the, the low-to-the-ground um, handheld shots, like, running next to the chicken that were, you know, I mean, when you're watching it, like, it's not on a dolly. Like, that's definitely someone running next oh, to this chicken right, holding right. the camera,
0: which is cool. I didn't think about that, um,
1: yeah. There's uh, the cool editing. There's a scene in the movie when Lil Zay's friend, I think it's Bernard, the, the kid with the glasses, when he gets shot at that party. Benny, yeah. And it's like, a, it's, it, Benny, yeah. And they have the uh, the disco, uh, it's like a disco party kind of thing, and they have uh, the strobe lights going on. And so you have, like, strobe lights in each shot, but then also it'll cut to black, and then that'll be, like, the cut. So it's like, as the strobe is going, when, you know, there it's strobe light in each shot, but also the black is the cuts between the shots, which is
0: right really cool. it kind of has this frenetic pace or whatever to it it's,
1: and it's super disorienting which you know probably you know that situation would be even yeah. without the strobe lights and then there's other just like little stuff like i have here there when rocket goes to lil zay's to take the photos you know when they're they're trying to get the the one red-headed kid to take photos of him but he doesn't know how to work the camera so they have rocket come over and he's taking the photos and there's this like shot at it, it's like it's a one-off thing. It's only like five seconds. It's kind of out of nowhere, but it's like this really weird, cool camera movement where it shows basically his point of view showing the the guys with their guns and stuff like he's taking their photos. And then the camera pans, but instead of panning sideways, it pans up vertically 180 degrees, and then the next shot, is it's like upside down yeah. shot of Rocket holding the camera. And then it just cuts and it's like just goes on with the rest of the scene. It's like... Right. That was really cool.
0: <laughs> very, very innovative. And we haven't mentioned anymore this kind of falls on our timeline. So in the present, sorry, the present, I guess when he's kind of chasing the chicken is around 1980. And then when we do the flashback, it's kind of the late 60s, early 70s. So we're kind of in that time period. The bulk of the story, I would say, takes place around 1980 in the slum. Yeah. But then we do get some backstory that was about 10 years earlier. And it's kind of just the two
1: time periods. Right. Well, because I think when they first go to it's like the first scene when they're not kids anymore when it's like you know the they're yeah. teenagers and they're on the beach there is a like a thing that comes up on the screen it says the 70s okay okay but then but then by the by the end when you get to you know the the big shootout between the cop basically the the end that is also the, the beginning of the movie is that shot you know with the chicken and everything i think that is like 1980 or the early 1980s so okay
0: okay so yeah, it, cover, it covers a lot of time. And what it does cool, too, is, well, many things, but it kind of sh- highlights, and it's kind of almost the point of the whole movie, and it because it buttons it at the end with this, but the succession of leadership within the slum, as far as the gang control, and there's kind of these turf yes. wars, and then also who's on top, and one of the neatest sequences is they kind of like they call it like the history of the apartment and they kind of just the camera stays in one spot in this apartment as you go through. That's such a, a cool a, scene, right? A few months or a few years of here's who fir- here's the guy that first had this apartment and was selling drugs out of it, and then his partner and his partner's friend, and then basically just goes through like a series of owners to bring us to the present, yep. where our characters uh, kind of get involved with the apartment.
1: Yep. and it's cool because it's like that's another really cool like editing scene. Because it's just this it's just one camera. It's it, it, it's almost shot like a like a one or like a long sh- a long take because it just pans kind of back and forth, maybe 30 degrees worth of field of view, just going back and forth. But like, obviously, the people are going in and out of rooms and then like disappearing and it's, you know, time is passing. Right. But it's the actual apartment itself is like nothing is is happening. There's no like hard cuts. It's just the right. camera is just in the apartment yeah this is this is such a good movie right. I love and, this movie so much yeah just and just
0: from from a filmmaking standpoint it's just so engaging in this the, the character relationships and the characters themselves how so our main guy is kind of on the periphery of the gang he knows he knows a lot of people in the gangs, but he's mm-hmm. he stays away from it in such a way that He's not a narc or anything. Obviously, if you tried to bring him down or get him in trouble, you'd, you'd go, you'd be in trouble too. But right. Just so the, but the main gang guys are, like
1: you said, the little Zay and Benny. Yeah, little Zay and Benny. And then, and then the, the rival gang is run by a white dude with red hair named Carrot. Yes. Who's mostly okay with living and let live,
0: but Zay wants to be in charge. And, and then, oh, and then, of course, how they bring in the whole, uh, what's, the, what's the big guy's name? Oh, um, knockout Ned! Knockout Ned! Oh, that's just how they bring in that story. So like, Rocket and his yeah. buddy run into quote knockout Ned on a bus, and then they even kind of say, "We'll get to his story later." And then of course his yeah. story becomes this whole thing. And... and it's
1: cool how they how they introduce him too because they go on the but like they get a gun from somewhere.
0: Probably Rocket's brother. It's the one from Rocket's brother, I think.
1: That's right. That's right. And it's broken, but they they're like trying to just get some money, just to right. just to have money you know, to survive. And so they're going to knock over the bus, but then they get up there and, uh, they start talking to the dude and he like, he's super cool to him. He lets one of them go through for free. Cause he right. knows they live in the same slum as him. And then he starts talking about how he does karate and he spent time in the, the military. And he's like, Oh, you know, I'm all about peace and love. But like, if I have to, like, I'll kick somebody's ass. And so they really like, all right, we're not going to rob this guy. We're not going to rob this guy. <laughs> And then they, they go to, a, like, a pastry shop and th- that they're going to rob, but then, like, the cute girl, like, flirts <laughs> with them and gives gives her that, her phone number. So then they're like, all right, well, we can't rob this place. So then they uh, yeah, they end up in the car with that guy who's trying to get to Sao Paulo, and then they're like, oh, yeah, nobody cool can be from Sao Paulo. We'll have no problems robbing this guy. And then he's super cool, too. He's <laughs> like, hey, you know— and- yeah, yeah, you guys like weed? I got some weed in my uh, in my glove box. Like, let's just smoke up. And they're like, "All right, okay, yeah, we can't. We're not gonna rob this guy." Yeah, we can't
0: rob anybody because <laughs> we just go around making friends with them instead. Yeah,
1: yeah, they, they're just going around and everyone they run into just happens to be super chill. Oh. <laughs> yeah, just and just the
0: evolution of Little Zay himself. We see him as basically this psychopath of like a ten year old. Oh Who, like, he's, like, falling as, like, the wingman of these older guys that are going to, like, knock off a place. And he's supposed to be, like, their lookout and fire a gun if, you know, the cops are coming. Well, on their way out, they notice he's gone. They just leave without him. And they had tied some people up to rob him. Oh, the 10-year-old little Zay had gone in and just killed the tied-up people because he's a freaking psychopath.
1: But that's the way that they, and again, this is, like, it would be so easy to just show that sequence of events in order and it would you know you would still be terrified of little Zay but the way that they show it is like so they it shows the older kids robbing the place and then they hear the gunshot right. and they're like oh man all right you know there's somebody here we got to get out of here and so it shows them escaping and it shows their whole you know running away and everything and, and it's almost like a passing thing like hey let's steal this car where's little Zay i don't know i can't find him whatever let's get out of here and you know it shows this whole chase sequence and then it does this like cut back to right. the motel and like everyone's dead, and you're like, what the heck happened? Oh
0: right, because they get in trouble with like the police or something, or right? they they're like, you killed those people. You're like, what do you think we didn't kill anybody? Yeah,
1: right. And, and they're like, well, you know, you know, as as the audience, it's like, well, you know, there was only one other person there with a gun, but it was a ten year old kid. Is the movie implying that this kid murdered all these people? And then yeah, that's exactly what happened because it shows later it shows this little kid and he is laughing his ass off shooting all these people that are tied up. Like in the kitchen, and you know, shooting all the patrons of this of this motel, and then it's also kind of interesting too. It's kind of a cool way that they do this like tension thing um, because you see him, and he's got like sunglasses he's got like a new shirt him and his buddy are like counting all this money and you're like yo Lil Zay is like he's been like a pretty successful criminal probably murdering a bunch of people and it's uh Rocket's brother is running away from the cops and uh, he runs into these kids and he's like he has no idea that they've been doing this right he has no idea that that Lil Zay was the one to kill all these people and he's like talking shit to him steals their money and you're like as the audience are like, oh man, like, I, he better be careful because, like, little Zay's probably going to kill him, but he doesn't know that. He just thinks, oh, I'm just talking to this little 10 year old kid that has some money. I'm running from the cops. I'm just going to take his money. He's a 10 year old kid. What's he going to do? Well, he murders him, is what he does.
0: Right, right. He kills Rocket's brother, right. Well, I actually, I had thought about this just now, and I don't know why I hadn't, but you could make a case that little Zay should be on the list of best all-time movie villains. Yep. With just how well developed he is and like we see how he's actually yep. as an as well as an adult, you know, he's still probably like 20 years old, but he's so actually insecure with, you know, he's, yep. he he struggles he struggles with women and and he's just yep. he's he's petty in so many ways and and just absolutely vicious. But
1: absolutely he's ruthless, yep, vicious. He yeah, he he is super insecure especially dealing with girls, but he, yeah, he, uh, and that's that's kind of what actually causes the whole war in the first place. Right, because he wants Knockout Ned's girl, right? Yep, he, he rapes Knockout Ned's girlfriend, and then Knockout Ned goes to Carrot, because he's like, hey, you're the rival gangster to Lil' Zay, I need your help to, you know, basically kill this guy. Oh, because Lil' Zay, he, and this is like one of the few moments of, I guess you would call it comedy.
0: There's definitely moments of levity throughout the movie.
1: Yeah, but this one's like really dark. Okay. Because uh, after, after Lil Zay rapes Knockout Ned's girlfriend, Knockout Ned is sitting in the house, and he's, you know, like, you can tell he's super traumatized, and he's talking to his brother, and he goes, I don't know why Lil Zay didn't just kill me. Basically, you know, bas- wondering aloud, why didn't he kill me, but also kind of saying like, I wish he would have killed me type deal. And then it cuts to Lil Zay walking away and he's like, wait a minute. Why didn't I kill that fool? <laughs> Why didn't I kill that guy? And then they like go back to the house and you're kind of like, you kind of chuckle and you're like, right, oh, I right. feel bad for laughing at that. But it is kind of funny. It's
0: almost <laughs> funny how psychotic he is and just just how they portrayed it. Yes.
1: It was humorously done. But you're right. It's yeah. dark. because Which, And that is something that you would see like in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Right. Right. You know, it's like yeah, I don't know why that guy didn't just kill me. And then he's like, yeah, why did I kill that guy? And they go back and he ends up, yeah, he kills Knockout Ned's brother. So Knockout Ned then joins up with Carrot. And then they get the, uh, they start like basically an arms race. They're just trying to buy the biggest and best guns. And they're just, you know, it's just this huge war. And then where our boy Rocket kind of then
0: starts being able to make a, Make it out of the slum or make a name for himself is he does get in with one of the local newspapers and actually one outside mm-hmm. of the slum. And at first he's just kind of working there as essentially an intern, kind of mailboy kind of thing. But he is he doesn't. Well, he's just
1: a, he's just a delivery boy, right? But he's technically empo- employed by the paper. So in his off time, he goes and hangs out in the photography lab where so they develop learn, the photos. Right. So
0: we can learn how that all works because that's kind of his passion. And he ends yeah. up after Little Zay kind of recruits him to take some pictures, he wants them developed and gets them developed at the newspaper. The newspaper finds them and runs them, and then Rocket thinks he's gonna get killed because he's gonna put little Zay's pictures in the paper and he wasn't supposed to, he wasn't told right. to do that, so little Zay's gonna kill him. Oh, little Zay loves the publicity. He so loves now, it. So now yep. Rocket's a hero on both sides. Yep. The newspaper there was like, These are this access you have is unprecedented. This is amazing that you have right. this access, and then little Zay is like, I'm famous so everybody right. everybody kind of wins for a while and then of course uh, yeah. you know, things like kind of go down at, at the end
1: and yeah the little kids turn on little zay and take him down right yeah well that's that's like the uh the whole the runts, or what do they call them yeah the, the runs is which you see them kind of throughout the movie um it's just a it's a group of little kids some of them look like they're i don't know maybe five years old yes yes and then the oldest ones are like maybe 10 right but it's this it's this group of kids who in this gang war, basically, it gets so, Lil Zay Lil Z gets so desperate that he arms all these kids, gives them all guns, says, hey, as long as you fight for me and, you know, kill knock out Ned's guys, um, you can have these guns and, you know, be part of my gang. Well, at the end of the movie, there's like a, a corruption scene where he pays the cops for something. I don't remember exactly what it was. And
0: Rocket's taking pictures of it.
1: Yeah. Yes, and, and Rocket's taking pictures of of these cops, you know, basically getting these this payout from Lil Zay and then, oh, so he, he basically pays them off because they're like, well, you're going to jail. Like, we arrested Carrot. We arrested you. You're going to jail forever. We can't have this gang war going on. Well, Lil Zay says, well, how about I just give you all of the money I have and you only arrest Carrot? And then I'll just be the only gangster in the city of God now. And they say, fine, whatever. Give us all of your money. So he hands them a, a briefcase full of cash. And then Lil Zay basically gets the runs together. And he's like, all right, we got to start doing some robberies so we can get my gang back to life. And they're like, your gang? No, this is our city now. And they shoot him. Right. <laughs> they kill him. Right. He's this group of 10-year-olds right and uh yeah and and rocket's taking pictures the entire time and then he has this kind of like this choice to make like do i expose the corruption and you know basically get my name out there but also burn every bridge in the city of god yeah (laughs) yeah basically i i won't be able to live here anymore because everyone's going to want to kill me (laughs) or i can publish the pictures of lil zay his basically his body after he got killed And I won't get the same, you know, notoriety and fame as I would, but it's probably good enough to land me a job. And that's what he ends up choosing is he gives the pictures of Lil Zay's body to the paper and he gets an internship. Yeah. And then the movie ends on the group of runts, these five through 10 year old kids talking about all the people they're going to kill right and they probably will because they all have guns
0: right but it just kind of then continues that cycle that we mentioned it's basically 10 little zays like we saw at the beginning where they're all just now yes. these psychopaths going around they're yep. gonna wreak havoc yep. no it's like i said it's, it's a great movie and it's so it's a little tricky because like at the end of the movie it basically says rocket's real name implying that that's the name of the guy in real life but that's not the name of the guy in real life so it's it's based on a semi-autobiographical novel by, some, yeah. by a guy not named what the name they give in the movie is. And so it's kinda complicated. Basically, I don't really understand who because it's not a photographer, it's just a writer. And so it's based off the guy who wrote the book. Paulo Lenz wrote the book, and it is roughly based on his experiences living in the slum but he's just a writer. He was not a photographer. So it was weird that the movie ended with that button as if this was a real life
1: story. Well, and they even show, you know, rocket. And then it shows, you know, a picture of not the, character but like of an actual guy right and then it shows like Lil Zay and it's the same thing and Benny it's the same thing and they even show there's the the news interview with Knockout Ned in the movie where he's like well the police are only going after me they never go after Lil Zay basically I got you know captured and you know the, but they let Lil Zay do whatever he wants but it looks like an actual news interview from the 70s and it's not the character from the movie so I think that I think I guess I
0: my understanding is maybe I'm wrong maybe they expect them that well I thought those news clips were all real am I wrong
1: they, and they and they well they might be but okay. i mean so that, so then how
0: biographical right so you you have the guy who wrote the book but then you also have there's also this photographer from the city of god who I think has many experiences similar to Rocket. So I think it's kind of maybe both. I would say the Rocket character Uh, might be an amalgamation uh, between this actual photographer and the writer of the book, and then they always use these real-life events and work them into the narrative. So then, like, Lil' Zay
1: and Benny and Carrot and Knockout Ned are all, they're all real, like, they're all real people? Or at least there's real-life equivalents to them. Yeah, because the the interview with Knockout Ned that they show at the end is word-for-word the interview that they show with him in the movie, but it looks like an actual news interview from the 70s. like not right
0: and i and i think it is but it's tricky because none of the characters in the film are linkable on wikipedia so it's not like they have wikipedia pages they're all they're so if they're real they're so small of real characters which makes me yeah and so it, it's it's kind of, honestly it's kind of tricky i'm i'm gonna say that it's definitely populated with real characters but they're not they known just change the names yeah or change the names or there's people they're they're not known outside of this book and movie like sure they have they have no reason right. to be talked to written about other than yeah so as far as names go i i really don't i mean normally that's kind of what we're breaking down here but i'm not really right. sure and i did some google searches and and that's where i kind of find that photographer andre Kamara is the photographer and i'm looking at his page right now again there's a lot of great, a lot of good work it says 20 years later his images inspired the film city of god but of course you have the book that's independent from that because like the wikipedia pages that talk about the film and the book don't mention that photographer but that photographer's webpage mentions him as being the inspiration for rocket but why is that not on the wikipedia page or the book page especially when the book says it's semi autobiographical so yeah i i I don't i don't have a good answer other than i just think we have to say that this is roughly inspired by actual events based on people who lived in this world and some of the characters and stories maybe actually i guess the slices of it happened but you know the overall arching thing is just kind of like obviously a artistic rendering of it but I mean, again, at the end of the day, this is just beautiful filmmaking. This is a very rewatchable movie, despite how dark it is at times, because it is so, yes. li- it's just lively, I think might be the way yes. to describe yep. it. And just the frenetic pace that kind of threw out and just the fascinating characters, great performances all around, just great, great filmmaking. I'll say it again, it's, on the IMDb list, it's number 22 all time. And I'm kind yeah. of okay with that.
1: Yeah. And it's almost 20 years old. So right. it's, you know, it obviously has some staying power on that list. Right.
0: Um, that's about all I had because, again, th- this is more about we kind of set the world that it lives in. And you really just need to watch this movie to get an idea of the world that these people lived in. Again, even though it's based on actual events, it's not based on what would be considered historical events, I guess, might be the way to say it, which is weird. Right.
1: Or it is, they're
0: not so small it's so small a story
1: yeah it's it's uh the events in this movie really only affect the actual favela in which it takes place not necessarily even like rio as a whole it's just like basically what happened in this one neighborhood over the course of a few years
0: right it would be like saying like who won the local football game on a friday that's not a historical event but it actually happened right yeah so exactly it's something almost like that so next week We will be dealing with Afghanistan and the quagmire that that has been for decades with Charlie Wilson's war.